Welcome to the I Am In podcast. This semester, the Boise Nampa Institute will interview members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We will hear stories from their personal lives, examples of how the gospel of Jesus Christ has blessed them. We hope you will join us each week to strengthen your faith in the Savior and gain hope for the future. Okay, today on I Am In, I have Lene Smith and our Institute Director, Brother Jim Edwards, and we are really excited about the story we're about to share with you today. But let's start with some introductions. Um, Lene, why don't you go first? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, your background. So my name is Lene Smith. I am Boise born and raised, and right now I'm a student at Boise State, and I'm majoring in nursing. I am Jim Edwards. I've been the director for the past two and a half years. And uh, I grew up in this area in Boise and uh, went to Centennial High School. And I even married a registered nurse, so it's fun to have that in common with Lene. <laughs> you married a registered nurse. And for those that don't know what the Institute is, how would you define it? Uh, this is a place of uh, where we have religion classes. There's at least 40 different classes that we offer. And so there's religion classes, there are activities, the Institute building is located across the campus in Boise. We also have a campus in Nampa near CWI. And we have evening classes, daytime classes, so students come here to study at the Institute. They make new friends. Uh, and there's, again, social activities as we, as we work with the student wards. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, it's, it's the best place to learn about the Savior midweek, right? Come between Sundays. So, Lene, tell us a little about your background. What, was, what did you grow up as far as religion? What was your family like? So, I grew up in a household where um, the extent of religion was basically saying prayers when I was scared at night, maybe. And um, maybe around Christmas, we would talk about Jesus. But other than that, it really wasn't a focus. And I grew up with um, an active LDS grandmother and grandparents who were Jehovah's Witness on the other side. So I had a very confusing background where I had family who was all different denominations, but not raised in a particular religion. What a collection of unique religions. Yes. <laughs> that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> so at what point in your life did you start asking questions? Was there something that led up to the questions you desired to get answers to? Yeah, so I grew up, I think because I didn't have that firm root in any religion, I grew up very curious about religion, but I kind of viewed it through a history background. I really liked learning about ancient civilizations, their different religions, but it really became personal when I was 12 years old and my little brother passed away from SIDS. And I think that that brought a lot of questions about life and death and just the meaning of why we were here and about heaven. And so that's when I started really thinking about my own personal relationship with God. Which would bring so many questions. And I think so many people, the big, why are we here? Where do we go after? Uh, that's really when we start asking the big questions because we, we want those answers, especially when a loved one's involved, losing a brother. Um, so how did that questioning lead you to a desire to know more about the Savior? Where did you go from there? So it happened over many, many years because I was 12 years old when that happened, but I really only started focusing on Jesus Christ when I was 18 years old after 
around the time I was graduating, it was right after COVID. So the world was in a very hard time. And I personally was just graduating high school. I had met all of the goals I had really sat for myself. I was happy in my professional goals. Like I had had straight A's. I was involved in volunteer work. My family was pretty stable and happy, but I just felt like there was something missing and like I wasn't as happy as I should have been. And at, around that time, I met my boyfriend at the time and I saw kind of this glow that he and his family had. And so I think that combination of being unfulfilled and seeing that spark and that light that they had made me realize, okay, maybe there is something there. Maybe there's something more. Okay, let's jump to you, Brother Edwards. So you plan a lot of activities at the Institute. What what activities do you plan that involve Lene? Well, so one of the things that we are trying to accomplish at the Institute is the prophet's plea for us to help gather Israel. And so we thought, gosh, there's 20,000 young adults across the street that uh, that that need gathering to our Savior Jesus Christ. And so let's try to be out front on the sidewalk, especially when the weather's nice at the beginning of the fall semester. It's beautiful outside. So we brought the Bronco Grill out front and started grilling hamburgers and hot dogs. And our intent was just to be more visible because people walk by this building all the time and they may not know what it is. We're always amazed how many of our members that are active in the church that don't know anything about the Institute for some reason. So by being visible, we hope to be able to gather some of them uh, to our Institute and, and, and again to our classes and friendships. But we also hope anybody might have an interest in learning what this place is and learning about their Savior Jesus Christ. And so so we made a, a plan that first week of school and uh, brought the Bronco Grill out and we're barbecuing hamburgers. Okay, Lene, so you're a student at BSU and you're smelling hamburgers. What happened? Sure am. So that was my first week of college. And that summer, I had spent the entire summer investigating the church. So I was online going through archives of history, going through websites and YouTube videos all about the church, but I wasn't going to church because um, I was pretty scared. It was an unfamiliar territory for me, but I'd felt this urge to start learning about the Church of Jesus Christ. And so that first week, I it was crazy hectic because being a freshman in college is a little intimidating. And so that day I had skipped breakfast and had to redo assignments and it was just one of those really bad days. And so I went to my car and I said my first really awkward prayer for the first time. And I just asked Heavenly Father, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's happening. Feels like my world is upside down, but just give me a sign. That's what I said. And so I was walking past the Institute and I had skipped lunch and Brother Edwards turned to me and he said, would you like some free um, hamburger? And I was like, yeah, actually I do. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember that whole time, it was towards the end of our lunch. We were getting ready to shut things down. In fact, I turned the grill off and uh, I think we had a few warm ones still in the little warmer or whatever. But the whole time she was walking by, I just kept saying, ah, we're shutting down. I'm not going to call out to her. and, and I just kept fighting that. And then finally, when it was at the point where it would be awkward now to call out to her because she'd have to turn back and look, I called out to her and said, hey, would you like a free hamburger? And, 
almost robotically. I, I was surprised how quickly she turned and responded to that invitation. Yes, I would. <laughs> and so it's just so fun to, to see her. And then Becca, Harvey, and a few of our other young adults were there uh, eating lunch. And they just welcomed her in and sat her down and got to know her. And it was just delightful to see. And what was your first impression of all these new people you're meeting? I mean, we, food is universal. We all eat, right? So yes. that's a great welcome. But then here's all these people welcoming you that you've never seen or met before. Well, my first thought was I was underdressed because they were in suits and I didn't understand why. <laughs> but then I just, I was surprised that they just wanted to have casual conversation. Like we talked about music, about, you know, school, what I was majoring in and stuff. And everyone was so friendly and I expected judgment, but that's not what I got at all. It didn't matter what I was wearing or what I was doing. I'm pretty sure at the time I was holding a coffee in my hand, but that <laughs> didn't matter. They just talked to me like I was just a regular person. And you told me, Lene, too, after the fact when we talked about this, um, what was going through your mind uh, as you were walking there past the Institute? Do you remember? Yeah, I think a lot was going through, but kind of post-prayer, I was just feeling like at that time in my investigation and in my life, I was just really looking for a reason to continue, looking for a sign that this was where I was supposed to be. And so I feel like that was really a tipping moment where if I would have walked past the Institute and said no, I don't know if I would have continued. I don't know if I would have ever been baptized or anything, but that was the spirit absolutely saying, you're on the right track, you know, come, come join us. And I want to talk about the background of that moment too, because yeah. sometimes we don't think about the all that went into making that moment happen when you needed an answer to a prayer right then. So, you know, here's Brother Edwards planning events. He could have easily served food inside. Usually the grill is done in the back of the building, not the front. And, you know, for him to make a decision to go out front and, and do something different, for the young adults that happened to be outside eating and those particular ones that were so welcoming and, and ready to go to roll you in, all of those things, even the date of the day and the time of the day, right? All of those things could have fluctuated. But when you look back at how God works in our lives, He puts these little tender mercies into play, knowing your heart, knowing what it is you need in preparation for the moment He wants to answer the prayer for you. So it's so much more than just, I happen to say, do you want a hamburger? It's yeah. He knows you as His daughter enough that he pre-planned, pre-prompted, pre-prepared a situation where he could answer your heartfelt prayer. Absolutely. I even think of the fact that I had skipped lunch, that I was hungry, and maybe that was the reason why, is because he knew I needed to be reeled in with food. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's just, when we look for the Lord, he's there. Like our prophet said, seek and expect miracles. If we seek them out, there are miracles all around us unfolding in the way he guides his children. This is so cool. Okay, so after meeting them, how did you go from that initial discussion to an introduction to the church and even moving on to maybe learning from the missionaries? Yeah, so I think that once I started to um, get involved at the Institute, I signed up for the Women in the Scriptures class because that was the one that I felt I could know something about because I was a woman. I was like, oh, I can, I can learn about that. And so I attended each week. And I started to learn about like Emma Smith and about Ruth and all these wonderful women. I started to see myself in them. I started to understand that these scriptures, as they were called, you know, at, the, at that moment, they weren't just um, 
they were stories, but they were real people and that they were applicable to me personally. And so when I started to see myself in the scriptures, it really changed because I had thought that this gospel wasn't for me because I always thought, oh, they're, you know, that's for them and it's, it's not for me. But when I found that it was, that I was accepted in and that these women in the scriptures, they were flawed like me, but they were also kind and courageous and all these wonderful things. So yes, taking that class was definitely wonderful for my testimony. And it was really good for me to be involved actually in the church because I was just investigating before. I was on the outside and now I felt like I was on the inside and I was actually discovering what the church was like and not just being told what it was like. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a fascinating point because a lot of people, when you look into anything, a new company, a new religion, a new job, you look from your perspective in and so you're looking in all the wrong sources. Where, you know, like if you want to work for Google, you need to go into Google and say, show me all the things you have to offer. And and when you want to buy a product, you go to that company and say, show me how this product works. And very few people with religion go into the religion and say, show me what this is about. Usually you search all the outside sources and it never gives you the right answers. Absolutely. I think especially online is not a very good source for information because um, I had been told by the online sources that I would be judged because I was tattooed and had piercings and that I wasn't a member. And I had been told that, oh, you know, you're not going to be accepted in. But that first day, I just felt love. I just felt acceptance and no judgment at all. And as I continued to attend the classes, I was kind of unlearning my own preconceived stereotypes. And I was learning the truth about these are just people. This is, these are people trying to do their best in their own religion and to learn it from the primary source, like you said, changed my view a lot. I love that. And a lot of times too, when you understand the doctrine of Christ, we are all spirit children here in these mortal costumes and the costumes don't matter. It's the person on the inside. And when you really start to see people through Christ's eyes, he sees people with love, genuine love, and he sees potential. And he knows your heart, your talent, your abilities, and where you're headed. And when you take away the facade or the book cover, um, you see greatness. And that's really where deep friendships are made. Can I just say, too, it, we recognized in Lene just there was a light there, too. There's goodness. And, and that's the thing that just that I'm reminded of when we meet great people like Lene, that the vast majority of people, and really all people, there's goodness, there's, there's light, there's, there's kindness and the desire to be good and to do good. And, and it was just so obvious in Lene. And uh, Brother Debo and I team taught that class, the Women in the Scriptures class. So it was fun for us to see as teachers this whole thing unfold. And, and part of her journey that was so helpful is that she wasn't afraid to ask questions. And a lot of times we would just stop. In fact, sometimes we asked those questions before the lesson even started. And, and uh, we would always put that back on the students. What do you guys think? Let's, let's, let's help Lene figure this out. And, and the students, I think, were one of the keys, too. To, they were just so good and so inclusive. And I, and I hope that's what everybody would feel in our church, regardless of physical appearance, piercings, tattoos, or whatever it may be. 
uh, that everybody feels that they belong, that there's a place for them in the Church of Jesus Christ. And so grateful for those students that hopefully they feel that way. Absolutely. And that's how the Savior is, right? Yeah. He looked to every type of person when he was here on earth, and it, it didn't matter. You can never do something that will stop the Savior's love for you. Yeah. Yeah. He will love you regardless, and that's what's part of his church. So when did you start actually teaching with the missionaries? <laughs> well, that was pretty late in my investigation, actually. So I joined the Institute, and for a couple months I was in, um, learning and taking the classes. And I was reading the Book of Mormon and the New Testament at that point. And I was hearing all these testimonies from the students, like Brother Edwards said, which meant so much because they were showing me a form of Christ-like love by being vulnerable and being open and sharing their own doubts. Because I had thought that faith was something you either had or you didn't. I had no idea that it's something you could build. It's something that you can work on and can have questions and can wrestle you know, with your own questions. But once I, I had basically been wrestling with the idea of getting baptized and I decided I did one day sitting in lecture. So I ran across the street and I burst open the doors and I said to our secretary, Sister Valencia, I said, Sister Valencia, I want to get baptized. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, you need to meet with the missionaries first. And so we called Brother Edwards and he gave um, me their number. So I called them and I said, I was told I have to call you if I want to be baptized. And they <laughs> the were golden phone call <laughs> right there. Yeah. Every missionary wants that phone call. They were a little confused, a little excited, but hesitant. And so I met up with them and for about, I think, seven weeks, we went through each of the lessons and it was wonderful. And who were the missionaries? Oh, Shout out to Elder Park, because he was the only one that was consistent through all the transfers. <laughs> but I had Elder McKinnis, Elder Bell, I had a, a lot of them. But yeah, they were able to be at my baptism, and they were in my confirmation as well. And they, they didn't really know what to do with me, since I had done so much investigating on my own. But they shared their own stories and their own testimonies, which again, I think that's a reoccurring theme in my investigation is when I asked the people in my life about their own experience with the gospel and the questions they've wrestled with and how the t how the gospel has affected their life. That is what touched me the most. The conversations I had with my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my friends at the time, just everyone who I spoke to, hearing their own personal story helped so much more because I didn't understand doctrine at the time. I didn't understand a lot of scripture, but those stories is what really stuck with me. Well, and maybe share with someone listening who is also investigating or asking, where do I go for light, how you find answers. Because it's not people saying, here's what you need to believe. It's you hearing and then in your own heart, how did you receive an answer? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that for me, it didn't really help going on like the church website because I was very skeptical of being, oh, they're just going to say what they want everyone to believe or something like that. So I think going to individual people, people you trust, people who are members and people who are non-members, people who have different experiences with religion and people who are willing to have a good conversation, just any safe space is really important to have. And for me, I'm a big reader, so I went to a lot of books. 
like I read um, More Than the Tattooed Mormon by Al Fox or Al Caraway and that was an amazing um, piece of my testimony because it was something that I could understand through my my interests if that makes sense. So. That's awesome. In fact, Brother Edwards, as you teach classes and people want to know if something's right, how do you teach them to find truth? Yeah. <clears throat> the greatest source that we teach, of course, is their Heavenly Father. The importance of prayer to kneel down and ask Heavenly Father what they're learning about, if it's true, and, and, and is there something that they should do? What's the next step? And so that, to me, is the most important source, is prayer to their Heavenly Father. But then we do encourage them to... Of course, the missionaries are, are an awesome source. They're trained and taught to, to be able to help answer questions. But there are some helpful resources in the, on the church website. And, and, and just asking them like you did, Lene, just a, tr a trusted friend, somebody in the church that you trust that you would think would give you a, a straight answer to even the tough questions about the church that you need to understand and, and kind of work through. So, but prayer is the, the biggest source. Go right to the true source of all truth, our, our Heavenly Father. Absolutely. And kind of going off of that, also the Spirit. I think that even as a non-member, you can feel the Spirit. It works on everyone. And so when I was investigating and I, for example, walked on the temple grounds for the first time and I just started sobbing because I felt that Spirit. And I knew that I could trust that because that doesn't just come from nothing. And so the Spirit was a big guidance for me on truth. I love that. President Nelson has said, the Lord loves effort and for us to seek out our own foundation for our testimony. And that effort that you've described, studying, attending a class that taught you about the scriptures, um, spending time on your knees, reading straight from the New Testament and from the copy of the Book of Mormon, those are wonderful examples of effort that say, I have a desire to know. And in the end, it's that humble prayer where the Spirit enters and say, this is it. This is what's right. Because you can't convince someone of a religious truth. You have to feel it and you have to know it. And once you do, there's no denying it. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell us about the day of your baptism. Oh, that was the most wonderful day of my life. It was November 20th of last year. So I'm coming up on a year of being baptized. And I had so many family and friends in that room. And a good, I'd say, third of them were not members. And that meant so much to me because it was a room full of people who really, really loved me. They didn't care about, maybe they didn't agree with my decision. Maybe they didn't understand it, but they were there to support me because they saw how much it had changed me for the better and how happy it made me. And so I was baptized and confirmed on the same day and it has been a wild ride since. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has. That's how the Savior works. He truly loves everyone regardless of choices, the love never goes yeah. away. And I, I was impressed with that too. I got to meet Lene's parents and was just, uh, her uh, mother in particular was just a delightful, delightful woman. And I could see where Lene gets so many of her good traits from. And it was fun to see her grandparents. And there's a little side story to this too. Halfway through us kind of having conversations before she got baptized, she had mentioned that um, she had member grandparents and I said well what are their names and, and she said well I said where do they live oh they're right here in Boise and, and and where do they live and she gave me an approximate you know location and I said boy that's awful close to where I live and so what are their names again and she gave me the names and so I was able to to determine oh my goodness your grandmother's in my stake <laughs> 
And it was just so fun for me to be able to testify to her. And I felt it then and I feel it now that she was on the Lord's radar, that the Lord loves her and he loves her whole family from her parents to her grandparents and all, all everybody in between. And it was just neat for me to see the hand of the Lord bringing Lene to him. That's so great. Don't you love those? Again, the tender mercies of the Lord in every little aspect of your life. Um, now that you are a baptized member of the church, after baptism, you get the confirmation and the gift of the Holy Ghost, which means you have that guiding spirit with you 24-7 for the rest of your life. Um, how does that feel compared to life prior when you had that prayer in your car looking for an answer and now you have the companionship of the Holy Ghost? Can you describe the difference? Oh man, I think that it makes a world of a difference. It definitely took me a little bit to understand the Spirit and how to recognize it. But once I got comfortable with the feeling and knowing how I, it works with me personally, um, before I was a member, I struggled with trusting myself, with um, being confident in myself and my own opinions or thoughts and stuff like that. But once I've had the gift of the Holy Ghost, I feel so much more myself, if that makes sense. I feel that I am able to, my strengths have been strengthened and some of my weaknesses have been more brought to light so that I'm able to work on them more. But I think the companionship of the Holy Ghost has made me feel like I always have a friend. It's being able to feel that connection to our Heavenly Father all the time, that's a type of friendship you don't have without it. So. I love that. President Nelson, in his worldwide devotional last May, said, if I could talk to every young adult, I would want them to know they're a child of God, um, a child of the covenant, and a disciple of Christ. For your peers who are not members of our faith, what difference would it make for them to truly understand who made them and where they came from? How would it change their look on themselves and their purpose for life? It would change everything. I think that like I was, so many people, especially my age, being a young adult, are looking for why. Why am I going to school? Why am I spending so much time and effort here? Why do, am I feeling the way I do? There's so much adversity in the world and there's so much adversity we go through personally. And the thing I would tell them is there's a reason why. That it's, there is all these trials, but there's a purpose behind it. And life is not tough just to be tough on you. It's because we are supposed to become better to return back to our Heavenly Father. So I think knowing that there's a reason for it all happening and that it's not just hopeless, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that you are enough and that you are loved perfectly as you are, I think that that knowledge changed my life and it would change a lot of other people's life if they knew that too. Oh, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Oh, it does, absolutely. But it, it's so, when you don't know where you came from, it, it would it's like not knowing your parents here on earth. Hmm. Imagine not knowing your mom and dad. It leaves so many questions about, okay, well, what does that mean for my worth? Or what does that mean for my future? But once you find out your identity, your roots, you're confident. You know in the direction you're going in, and you know that you're loved. That's so powerful. What a testimony, Lenny. That's amazing. Um, 
I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute for some of our listeners because that was a profound answer. As you've learned about this doctrine and you're now a member of the church, you're also serving on the student council here at the Institute at BSU. Um, How has your life changed in in basic ways? We've talked about your testimony. We've talked about the guidance of the Holy Ghost. But how has your day-to-day life changed from who you were prior to your baptism to what you're doing now? What's interesting is day-to-day, not a lot has changed. I think that I do a lot of the same things that I did before. Like I read, I do all my hobbies, I hang out with my family and my friends, but the purpose behind all of that has changed a lot. And I'm obviously, like you said, I'm more involved with the Institute. And um, I think that the changes in between um, joining the church changed a lot. I lost friends. There was some turmoil within family. But I think once we got over that hump, things were peaceful. And I, th- I would say that's the main difference is I'm still a hectic, busy young adult like I was before. Still get stressed, still, you know, have lots to do all the time. But there's that peace there that wasn't there before. That, yeah, it's a really bad moment, but everything's going to be okay. Whereas before, that constant anxiety and that constant questioning was always there pretty much. And you didn't have peace. Mm-mm. Not until I found Christ. That's so great. Thank you so much for sharing this. Brother Edwards, would you just add for me, if you could speak to any young adult, all the other Linnaeus mm-hmm. that are walking through campus, what would your message be to them? I think you said it well. Um, there's a lot of labels that our young adults are given. Uh, they're Gen Z or they're millennials or, or labels they give themselves based on all kinds of things, but if, if I could have them just realize one thing, it would be first and foremost, you're a child of God, and you are sent here to this earth for a purpose, and there's more to life than just being successful in a career. There's so much more to life, and uh, our Savior Jesus Christ will help them to know what that is. And uh, if I could just maybe also just add two of my happiest moments that I can reflect on as an institute director is that experience of seeing Lene come off the street because of a hamburger that brought her to the Savior. And that's really all that we're doing at the Institute. Every hamburger, every activity, every spike ball game we play is with the intent to help draw young adults to our Savior. And so that was joyful, but almost to the day, almost exactly to the day, a year later, we were doing the barbecue again out front this semester. And now Lene is on the other side of that table, welcoming people off the sidewalk to have a hamburger with her. And it was just neat to, to see the gathered be the gatherer. And uh, I saw and heard the Savior Jesus Christ, and I was humbled and touched, and I'll forever treasure that vision. I have it in my mind's eye, and I, uh, I, I confessed to her that I snuck a quick photo of it because I wanted to remember this. <laughs> um, and I showed her the photo, but it's something I'll always treasure of seeing her in that capacity now as the gatherer to bring people to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you. I, I think as an instructor, one of the greatest blessings we see is the many people that sit in our classrooms who have a desire to know more, uh, the ones who have struggled with addiction and are going through recovery, the ones who have come from broken homes, uh, the ones home between mission experiences because they have things to work on, 
everyone has a story in the room, every single one. They all have heartache, they all have struggles, but they're here midweek between Sundays to say, help, teach me, help me know what to do tomorrow, help me know how to stay. And when they choose to step in the door, the Lord takes over. And it is such a privilege to, to see through his eyes the potential of each one of you. And I'm, I'm so excited to see where your life leads five years from now, 10 years, 20 years, and to see all the amazing things you will do because you turned your life over to him. Um, as we finish today, Lene, why will you choose to stay in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I choose to stay in Jesus Christ's gospel because I know it's true. And maybe I say that because I didn't get a chance to say it over the pulpit when I was, you know, eight years old. But I choose to stay because I know that Jesus Christ is my big brother. He's my savior. And he is the one person who loves me unconditionally and who understands me. And he died for me. And I have felt the truth of this gospel. There were so many times when I was investigating where it just made sense. And I think that those confirmations and seeing the quote unquote coincidences in my life were actually the Lord. I think knowing how true it is and seeing being a witness of how it's changed me, how it's changed the people in my life and how much good and truth there is in it. I think that's why I will always stay. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate both of your testimonies.